The Leadership File on Premiere. Welcome to the show which helps Christians change the way they lead. I'm Andy Peck. On this show we've often featured leaders sharing news of the start of a church or a charity or an organisation. But it is also the job of the leader to close an organisation if necessary in consultation with other parties. This week I welcome to the Leadership Farm Richard Tiplady, former Principal of International Christian College Glasgow, to talk about the leadership challenge he faced in needing to close the institution and the new ministry that emerged. So welcome Richard to the Leadership Farm. Hello, Andy. Thanks for having me again. Good to, good to have you on. Um, we last spoke in 2010, six years ago. You'd begun as Principal of International Christian College Glasgow. You were excited about the challenge, but at some point you became aware that the college could not continue. When was that? It was something that came about by stages. I knew that the college was facing challenges before I came up here, um, so I came into it with my eyes open. Um, but I can still remember writing my um, first report for the board. Um, I called it my 100-day report. I'd been in the post about that length of time. And uh, even then, I recall saying to them that the challenges the college were facing were pretty substantial, and unless some major changes were made, um, I could see that uh, it was going to cause substantial problems in the future, um, that we would need to either grow our income substantially or uh, cut costs, make redundancies um, in order to survive. Um, that wasn't exactly the sort of thing that a board wants to hear from their new principal <laughs> no, executive. Yeah. Um, but it was honest. It was honest assessment. And, and I think the board embraced those challenges fairly early on. Um, not everybody in the college uh, welcomed that kind of message from the, the new guy, from the new principal. Um, but but obviously, with hindsight, it, uh, it proved to be true. I can I could also remember um, January 2012 was a very significant time um, for a number of reasons. That was when I first really began to seriously entertain the possibility that the college wasn't just in difficulty, but might actually not survive. Um, that's when I think that that became that realization struck me. Um, it coincided with a particular Bible reading, um, John twelve twenty four. Jesus says, "A grain of wheat must fall to the ground and ground and die in order to bear fruit. If it doesn't, it remains a single seed. But if it does, it bears fruit fifty or hundredfold." And those two things kind of came together. Um, and that verse was very important then for me in the following months and um, and years. Um, in terms of holding on to as a, as a, as a promise, as a truth, um, as we faced up to, well, as I suppose what we might now call reality. And it was actually two years later in January 2014 that I finally said to the board, um, the game is up. There is, I can see no alternative but to close. Um, and at that point, um, said to them, and I'm not sure what the future holds. It may be that, that we close and you, the board, simply have to disperse the college's assets. So I didn't know at the time whether there was going to be any definite future. So it was something that came by degrees, but but with hindsight, um, and even, I guess, even a bit of foresight, was um, the possibility was there from the beginning. It didn't come up overnight. Well, um, they say the job of the leader is to define reality, and um, 
you know you were doing that for the for the yes. for the college the wider college but it's when that reality is not a pleasant um one and of course people's uh, jobs uh, at stake the reputation of a uh, of a, a, co- a college that has existed for for many decades is also at stake that 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 must be hard uh, yes yes i mean it's hard for everybody i suppose um people do worry about their jobs their jobs slash careers slash ministries i mean in in any christian organization i think the vast majority if not all of the people that work in them are not doing it just because it's a job it's feel something that they feel called to they're passionate about um they tend to work fairly sacrificially in and um and therefore there is a sense of loss a sense of grief anger um that gets expressed that has to be expressed in some way and it tends to be expressed towards you as a leader um, and you have to find ways of dealing with that anger without you can't retaliate um, you can't um, you can't give it back in any way um, it's it's just one of those things that you have to absorb help people to express um, but accept that there's going to be some blame attached um, Yes, it's it's not the most pleasant thing to do, uh, without doubt. Um, but in the end, as you say, um, defining reality, speaking reality, facing up to reality is ultimately about what leadership's about. Um, and it isn't all about um, bright, sunny uplands and positive futures. Sometimes it is about saying, um, this is where we're at. I think what's what's helpful in all of this, I've mentioned the Bible verse, but again, you know, time and again in the Bible, God's people go through failure they go through brokenness um they go through periods when they're saying this can't be the case lord what are you doing um we we use the exilic literature a lot at the moment as we um think about the situation of the church in the uk you know jeremiah and what have you are prophets that we turn to um to try and explain what's happening in the church in the uk but ultimately that can be enormously helpful as you try and process before God and and in your own mind and heart, uh, what's going on, Lord? Aren't you the faithful one that don't you promise to provide? Well, that's not happening. So what's going on? Um, the great thing is that throughout the Old and New Testament, there are many examples of people crying out to God and saying, "What's going on, Lord? We're not the first ones to do this." Had you personally faced anything quite like this before, from which you could draw, or were you kind of facing a very new situation yourself? Um. <laughs> A bit of both, actually. Um, I mean, my my very first experience of ministry, uh, way back in the early 90s, one could describe as an experience of failure. My wife and I were missionaries in Nigeria, and we had to come home because of ill health, um, quite significant ill health, um, tropical diseases and what have you. And facing up even early on in, in life and ministry that, that plans do not always go as you wish, but God is in it, and God is with you. Um, was a was a very helpful um, early learning experience in my life. On the other hand, I had just come from a situation where the previous organisation had been in had been in difficulty before I joined it, and um, through the work of a lot of people, and you know, thanks to God's generosity and His people's generosity, we were able to turn it around, and it grew, and things were positive, and. Yes, I probably had a little bit of self-image of I'm the kind of person that can turn things around. Um, that's that's how God uses me. That's who I am. And I think I came into this job with a little bit of that in mind. That had been my experience in a number of ministry situations in the past. And 
I think I saw that as my gifting and um, how God used me. And then, lo and behold, oh, oh, this time that hasn't worked. Um, okay. Uh, and so facing up to um, one's own limits, perhaps not being the person you thought you were, um, is part of a process of your own grief. Um, but you can't you can't wallow in that. You've you've got to face up to it. You've got to come before God with that. But in the end, you've got to choose. Okay, Lord, I'm in this position. You've asked me to. You've given me this opportunity to lead. Am I going to lead? Am I going to acquiesce or, or abdicate? Is probably the best word, isn't it? In my responsibilities, or am I going to face up to them? Um, so um, yes, uh, we never give up learning, do we? We never stop learning. And um, last couple of years, I feel as though I've been taken back personally by God to some of the, the sort of foundational things in my own Christian life about who am I, what does it mean to follow Jesus. Um, I became a Christian at the age of nineteen, not from a church background, but but certain Bible verses in those early years, Jesus telling Peter to get out the boat was an important one. The parable of the talents where um, the master says, well done, good and faithful servant, and therefore what does it mean to be a good and faithful servant? And it's not someone who plays it safe by burying their treasure in the ground. Um, um, it's someone who's willing to take risks and, and therefore willing to fail. These were very foundational verses for me in my early discipleship, my early Christian formation and I feel now just having turned 50 years old and, and probably finally being a proper grown up um, <laughs> I've been taken back to those foundational issues, you, they, they never stop being foundational, they never stop being what it means to be a follower of Jesus um, so so God has been at work in, in my life um, and in me and I'm grateful to him for that um, but yes you're still having to face up to at one level, failure, and what does it mean to fail, um, which none of us like to admit. Well, I was going to go on to ask about the, the factors affecting uh, college um, uh, in life, in, uh, in particularly in Scotland. And um, mm. I mean, we're coming up, to, we're coming up to break in a few minutes, but uh, maybe you can start to unpack that because, of course, there are some particular challenges that you faced uh, in Scotland that maybe we wouldn't be facing in England, and you can unpack I that a little bit, perhaps. Yes, I think that's uh, I think that's fair, um, and I think that's part of it. I mean, all the all Bible colleges face challenges. That that's that's without a doubt uh, the case. Um, the cost of higher education and providing higher education, the cost of um, uh, providing validated courses, um, the alternatives to Bible college training, the non-validated apprenticeship schemes that are coming up. And also, to some extent, the tribalization of evangelical Christianity um, means the interdenominational colleges suffer a little because different tribes want to make sure that training delivers their DNA and not somebody else's. They're all they're, they're all across all of the colleges. All the colleges face those, um, and that makes a life a challenge. We have the added challenge in Scotland that because university tuition is free here in Scotland, and we're not a university, we, we couldn't do that. Our students had to pay fees. And then the added disadvantage that unlike in England where students can get a loan for their fees, in Scotland they can't. So we, we have that added extra problem um, to deal with. Now we have a close friend of the college who's an MSP, um, 
part of the Scottish National Party, so part of the government's uh, governing party. He's been very supportive. He did everything he could to help us, including getting me a, a face-to-face meeting with the education minister to discuss that issue. But it was to no avail. And and so in the end, um, I think that did for us. Um, that that was the that was the big killer. It wasn't the only factor. Um, but that was the, I was going to say it was a straw that broke the camel's back. It was the big plank that broke the camel's back, I think. Um, at the time, at the start, you don't realise that's going to be the case. But I do look back in hindsight and I, I, you know, with hindsight, and I ask myself the question continually, is there anything we could have done to 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 save the college? Could we have done it differently? If we'd made different decisions earlier on, would would the college have survived? And I in all conscience, and I've talked about this with my colleagues as well, we really don't think there was. Um, and, and that was important in the decision. Um, ultimately, the sense of there is no alternative, this is the only choice we have, and so that's why we made it. Well, you're listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Richard Tip. Lady Richard was the principal of International Christian College Glasgow, and uh, sadly, which had to close, and we're talking about that and uh, what became of that in, in this uh, this recording. Thank you for for listening. Do um, uh, come back to us after the break. Welcome back to Leadership Farm with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Richard Tiplady. He's the former principal of International Christian College Glasgow. They were forced to close the college. Uh, we'll be talking in this next break, break about what God uh, did in and through uh, those who are part of that and the new thing that has been born from that but we're just unpacking a little bit about the the story and before the break we're talking particularly about the challenges that theological colleges face generally but particularly in Scotland with the uh, with the uh, the fact that university tuition is free uh, and it's impossible to get loans um, if you're going for theological education as you would in in England or at least not in the same sort of way so Richard um you're you're managing this staff, and then you're into this. At some point, we're going to close. That must have been a tough, a tough business. You're having to inform students. Um, you know, you're having yes. to see how long you can keep going for in order for some of those students to to, to complete their studies. Some are going to have to be transferred. Th- those are a nightmare for any leader. Uh, it was a tough time. I mean, there's no other way of putting it. Um, I mean, these things happen by degrees. So. Um, Three years ago, we made quite a number of staff. Um, well, we reduced them from full-time to part-time lecturing, and that was our attempt to try and find a way forward. But in the end, we we realised that that wasn't going to work, and so January 2014 was when the decision was made to close. And then it became um, really a question of right: how do we manage this well? How do we end well for everybody concerned? Um, telling the staff was was awful. I'll have to be honest. Um, I can remember calling a staff meeting and sitting in my office praying just before that, um, praying for strength. Um, and I remember thinking, I wonder if this is what it's like when you're on death row and waiting for the call. I mean, it just it was awful. There's no other way of putting it. Um, there was upset. There was grief. There was anger. Um, and then the next day, we told the students, and they was upset, and there was grief, and there was anger, and lots of questions. What we decided was that we had to do what we could um, to do the best by the students. So we did one more year of tuition for those who could finish their studies in a year. And for everybody else, their education, their training would be better served by being somewhere else anyway, rather than being part of an ever-shrinking college. Let's do one more year, 
someone in their final year is going to find it hard to transfer to another institution, whether it's university or college, because they won't necessarily have covered the same courses, and therefore it would unnecessarily lengthen their um, their study. So we felt it was important for them that we, we did another year. That that cost us a lot of money, but it was a moral choice that we made. Um, but for everybody else, it was about helping them to transfer. Like quite a number moved to the University of Aberdeen, who were our validator, and they were excellent in all of this. Others went to other colleges in, in, in Scotland and England. Um, we had a mixed response externally, um, um, a fair degree of lament and sympathy uh, from people who, I guess the general tenor was, we knew things were bad, but we didn't think they were this bad, we're very sorry. Um, I had some criticism, some quite snide comments from people. Um, um, trying to respond graciously to that where you can is always the challenge but that's again what you've got to do um, but one of the, the encouragements for me was actually a letter from the Church of Scotland um, we don't provide training for Church of Scotland ministers but we have trained about 90% of the Church of Scotland's youth workers and we got a letter from them saying oh dear this is a problem we're so sorry and we're now worried what we're going to do because they were realising that there was no other Christian youth work training provision in the, in the whole of Scotland. Um, in fact, the nearest places were Manchester and Belfast, and um, that was going to leave a substantial vacuum in, in a particular training in Scotland. Um, there are other theological colleges, other Bible colleges, for people that want to do a general theology degree and train for perhaps local church leadership. But there were certain things that we were doing that nobody else was doing. And... Um, it came as a shock, I think, and people began to realise, oh, we've taken them for granted, and actually, we're going to miss them if they've gone. Um, and that was actually the catalyst that began the process for exploring and asking the question, OK, Lord, is there a future for us? Well, the, um, the I mean, the, cha the challenge must have been, been enormous, and uh, I, I just... I suppose the question is, where do you get the, where do you find the courage <laughs> to go through all that? Because that's that's a kind of relentless day by day challenge, isn't it, Richard? Hmm. Yes. Um, where do you find the courage? Um, it's hard to know, in a way. Um, God, Jesus. I mean, it's so cliched, isn't it? But it has, to, you know, in all of this, you constantly go back to, okay, Lord, where are you? Um, and there were three Bible verses that really constantly constantly impressed themselves upon me um, through all this time for over about two years I could not shake them off one was the the verse I mentioned earlier John 12 24 which is all about resurrection it's the promise of resurrection it's mm. the promise of new life and and yeah, we, if we serve a God of anything we serve a God of resurrection um, of course resurrection implies death um, you can't have resurrection if you haven't had death beforehand and I think what we'd actually prefer as Christians quite a lot is resuscitation. We want, we don't really like the idea of death, but but that's that's the promise we have of resurrection. Um, there's an amazing verse in Hebrews 11 um, where we read that um, Abraham left his home city even though he did not know where he was going, <laughs> and it was that last bit. It was the subclause, even though he did not know where he was going, that that quite often God asks us to make decisions even though we don't know what the outcome is going to be, and. And that, you know, in Hebrews 11, Abraham is there as the model of the life and faith, that, that that's what it means to follow Christ. That's what the writer of the Hebrews is saying. Um, and the third verses were Matthew 9, um, the new wine, new wineskins verses that Jesus, um, uh, the new wine saying. And um, 
and that, that again God the king the, the kingdom is the kingdom of new wine and therefore rather than trying to hold on to the past and hold on to what we've got um, actually what we need to be doing is saying well where's the new wine where where is God at work um, and how can we follow him in that um, and therefore what are the new wine skins that are needed um, and, and I think that's that's been quite an important lesson for me personally as someone who has understood my ministry largely being about the renewal of existing Christian organizations sometimes sometimes they just need to close sometimes there's nothing you can do um, there's nothing anyone could have done and therefore closing well finishing well and then saying okay Lord where's the resurrection come and what will resurrection look like is a really important question and I think that if if courage comes from anywhere and if it is courage then then that's where it comes from it, and it comes from the the, the challenge um, that I really had to ask of myself do I believe this do I really believe this stuff do I believe that what Jesus said is true and if I do am I willing to live as if it's true and make decisions as if it's true and and ultimately that's what I think it means to follow Christ so in the end I suppose that's where the decision the choice the if there is courage, that's where it comes from. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, I mean, th thankfully, and I've hinted at this in the recording thus far, um, th there has been resurrection. So tell us about yes. um, what God had around around the corner for you. Well, yes, and it's the kind of uh, the unexpected, isn't it? I mean, the, the starting point was this awareness um, that with our closure, there was no Christian youth work training in Scotland, professional youth work training. And, and we had provided over the previous 15 years so many of the youth workers in churches across Scotland, across different denominations. Now, um, you know, we have to be quite careful in assuming that, well, if we don't do it, no one will. But actually, if we couldn't make it work, then why would anybody else be able to? And we had the expertise and we had the skills and the people and the track record. And so that began the search and the prayer and the exploration. Um, then a, it was a, do we call it serendipity? Do we call it providence? Um, one or two conversations that seem to be slightly random that all of a sudden begin to give the sense of possibility. So a, a conversation with the student funding body here in Scotland that that we discovered that if we partnered with an English college to deliver their degrees in Scotland, um, the students would be treated as if they were Scottish students studying in England and therefore would become eligible for full loans for fees and maintenance. Oh, wow. And all of a sudden, the, the core funding issue that was killing us, there was a way through it. Oh. And then conversations with a number of English colleges, and I talked to a few, but in the end, um, we have partnered with the Nazarene Theological College in Manchester and that came about through friendship uh, between me and the, the principal there um, and through conversations a recognition of common vision common values um, very much on the same page of what we were trying to do but also recognition that we had different and complementary skills and that actually a partnership would work to the benefit of both of us and and a sense of possibility began to emerge um, now that didn't happen overnight. Um, it actually took about a year of conversation and exploration and very, very rigorous analysis and ultimately bringing in a couple of consultants who were paid to tear our business plan to shreds really because let's be honest, 
closing a college once is unfortunate, but starting again and then closing it again would be a, catast- a catastrophe. Absolutely. And so the combination of youth and community work and now courses in pioneer ministry and missional leadership and urban ministry, which we have a, a history of as well, um, we have a clear focus. We're doing things in Scotland no one else is doing. We have a way that students can get funding to do it and and we can see a way forward and we can begin to see what resurrection looks like. And it's it's exciting and it's scary, um, but we're doing it and it's brilliant. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Sadly, time's defeated us, Richard, but it's, it's of course the Scottish School of Christian Mission is the, uh, the name of the, the new institution. Yep. And uh, presumably there's a website. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Yes, there is. It's sscm.ac.uk. Okay. So if you're, well, if you're, I'm going to say if you're listening in Scotland, but I mean, if you're listening in England as well, this could be a place where you'd like to, you'd like to go and, and find out more. So Richard, as I say, time's defeated us, but it's been, I say it's terrific to chat with you. It's been great to hear your story of God's faithfulness through a very tough time. And thank you for sharing that. And uh, there'll be you. listeners listening who, who are facing similar things. I'm sure they'll have taken comfort and inspiration from your story. So thank you. Thank you, Andy. Thanks for the opportunity to share it. I really appreciate this. Not at all. Well, you've been listening to Leadership Fire. Richard Tipplady has been my guest. He's now the, the principal or the, the head of the, the new Scottish School of uh, Christian Mission. And uh, do log on to Premier's own website and listen to archive recordings of Leadership Fire, including this one in due course. I look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premiere. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. 